The Seahawks have a long history of success with undrafted free agents under the leadership of John Schneider and Pete Carroll. Which undrafted rookies might have a shot to make the team after two preseason games? Rob Rang and I are going to be breaking it all down on our Tuesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for today's episode, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. We're now done with training camp. The Seahawks have a few practices left in the books before their preseason finale, but the final open training camp practice was on Sunday. So we're going to be dishing out our annual training camp awards and taking a look at some veterans that are on the hot seat heading into Friday's preseason finale in Dallas. Without further ado, let's get to it. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. The Seahawks have a lengthy history of success with undrafted free agents under John Schneider and Pete Carroll. We've seen Doug Baldwin, Jermaine Curse, Puna Ford, Brian Monet. You can continue to throw names out there, but the Seahawks have had numerous undrafted gems that they've been able to find that have become key contributors for their football team during the most successful decade in franchise history. But in 2022, Rob, it kind of feels like we're in one of those strange seasons where there might not be an impact rookie coming from their undrafted class. And some of it might have to be doing with the fact that there's nine draft picks that have a good chance to all be on this football team. Not a lot of roster space for the undrafted players heading into a new season. Yeah, that's an excellent point, Corbin. It's a lot easier to make this team as undrafted free agent when you have a rookie draft class like last year, only three-man draft class. And so Jake Curran wound up making the club as undrafted free agent at Cal, and obviously he wound up becoming a starter at the right tackle position. Uh, I, I still think that a player like Vi Jones, the athletic linebacker that you and I have both gushed about uh, you know, for a couple of months now, I still think that he's got a pretty good shot uh, at making this club as an undrafted free agent, not only because of his own athletic ability, um, but because we've talked about that linebacker is a position of concern for the Seahawks. I still really, really like the depth at the safety position as well. Uh, you know, Bubba Bolden, a kid from from Miami, who I thought was a candidate to possibly make this team as undrafted free agent. Of course, he was one of the players that Seattle just released. But I look at guys like like Joey Blunt, uh, like Scott Nelson, Deontay Williams. I mean, all three of those guys were were big time players at the collegiate level. Uh, Senior Bowl executive Jim Nagy kind of especially talked about Deontay Williams, and I've been impressed by what I've seen on tape with him. And then if we're going to be talking about positions of concern, positions where where Seattle might have to you know kind of juggle things a little bit we've talked about Shamarius Gilmore a little bit and I've been impressed by what I've seen from him as well I think that guard is a position of strength for the Seahawks right now but at the same time I also think that allows them to be very very creative and uh, when you have a player like Gilmore who is as durable as he was the collegiate level um, then I think that he is one of those kind of guys that if he does not make Seattle's team or their practice squad then he certainly would be a player that a lot of other clubs would have a great deal of interest in there's a lot of players in this undrafted crop that I think Seattle would love to keep around on their practice squad. What it really boils down to, are any of these guys good enough 
to make this 53-man roster. And I would agree with you, Vi Jones would be atop my list. I do have some concerns with him moving exclusively to outside linebacker. Not that I don't think he can play that position because he already shown on the practice field that he can in one-on-ones on Sunday. He beat Jake Curhan off the edge in one-on-one drills on what would have been a sack and showed off his speed. He had six sacks at NC State last year. So if you can grow him into that body, he's only 225 pounds, but he's six foot two, almost six foot three. If you can add another 15 pounds of muscle to that frame, he could eventually be a contributor for you as a situational pass rusher. And he's a very good special teams player. So that gives him an opportunity to make this football team, especially with the lack of depth that they have at linebacker. I would also agree with you on Shamarius Gilmore. He's number two on my list as far as players that have a chance to make this team. And a lot of it has to do with Damian Lewis's injury. It doesn't sound like he's going to be out very long based on what Pete Carroll has said, but they're going to be cautious. They don't want to rush him back from an ankle sprain. So you might open the season needing a little extra depth at guard. And Shamarius Gilmore is a player that played like a million snaps at Georgia State, comes into the NFL with a ton of experience. So he's somebody they might be able to plug in that can provide them some insurance at the guard position early in the season, maybe ends up on the practice squad down the line when Damian Lewis is healthy. But you've got those two players, the safeties, there's certainly some interesting ones to consider as developmental prospects they clearly didn't view Bubba Bolden in that same light I was with you I thought he was going to maybe be one of the most intriguing undrafted rookies they had but Scott Nelson's probably been the most impressive on defense in the first two preseason games has gotten high grades from pro football focus has been flying all over the place he is a little banged up so that is something to consider if he's out for more than a couple days can't play in this preseason finale that is really going to hurt his chances of making this football team Let's talk wild cards real quick, though, because, Rob, you and I both know players like John Radigan a year ago. John Radigan was not on the radar to make this football team because he was hurt almost all of training camp. And yet by week two, he was on the 53-man roster. And so there are a couple guys in this undrafted crop that I could see doing that. And one of them that is really a true wild card, I did not think a week ago we were going to be mentioning this name, but Kevin Cassis, who didn't even play the last couple of years, was one of those players that was severely impacted by COVID coming out of Montana State. This kid has been really good in training camp, had a really nice preseason game against the Bears. And coaches such as Sanjay Law have unprompted brought him up a few times. He's got that crafty route running, more athletic than you would think, kind of has a Wes Welker type skill set. Again, I'm not comparing him to Wes Welker, but similar play style and with the fact that a lot of the other receivers that are battling for a roster spot have been up and down somebody like Cassis that has been consistent in the preseason now suddenly might be a name to keep an eye on well I absolutely agree with you I think that wide receiver just because of the the big names ahead of Kevin Cassis uh you know that that is going to be as difficult of a position group to crack as an undrafted free agent as I think that there is on this roster that said I think Cassis has been as as consistent as any of the receivers not named DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I mean, he's been terrific. Uh, You know, and as you mentioned, the the route running, the hands, 
during the you know during this game against the Chicago Bears, when basically everything looked ugly for the Seahawks, Cassis was one of the the real bright spots over and over again. Uh, there was one catch in particular where he caught the ball, recognized that he was going to be tackled quickly, and dove ahead to just maximize the amount of yardage that he could possibly get. That's a really savvy football play that you don't necessarily associate with a guy that, as you mentioned, has set up the last couple of years due to COVID. So I, I think that he, Cassis has absolutely impressed people, and so he definitely qualifies as somebody that uh, I don't know if he makes the roster, but I think that very much on the practice squad, and, and I think that it's in the conversation. And like you said, said Corbin, I don't think that any of us would have been anticipating we'd be talking about Cassis at this point in the season. Yeah, and you could maybe throw a couple of the safeties we mentioned, like Deontay Williams. He's had kind of a quiet camp, but was a really good player in Nebraska. Our friend Jim Nagy touted him as the sleeper to watch in this group, so maybe that's a player that could be a wild card going into this preseason finale. Nonetheless, it doesn't feel like this is a undrafted rookie class that's going to have two or three players that are going to make this 53-man roster, even with all the departures that Seattle had. A big part of it is that huge rookie class they've got coming in draft-wise, and the fact that a number of those players look like they're going to be ready to contribute right away. Still, it would be a bit of a surprise if at least one of these, not at least one of these guys makes this football team. You would think one undrafted rookie is going to find a way to crack the roster, and I think you and I would agree right now, Vi Jones, just based on the linebacker depth, Tyreek Smith being banged up, him playing outside linebacker, that might be your one guy that has the inside track to making this football team, and Gilmore being a close second with the Lewis injury and just needing a little extra depth at guard. We'll see what happens. Training camp is officially in the books. We're going to get to our annual training camp awards coming up next here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. Before we dish out training camp awards, I want to talk to you about a product my wife and I use literally every day. We started taking AG1 from Athletic Greens because we want an easy, delicious way of improving our gut health, and we found it. With one delicious scoop out of this green canister, we, and you as well, could be absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole grain, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's lifestyle-friendly. We drink it first thing in the morning, even before our coffee. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. We've experienced better, sounder sleep and recovery. It supports mental clarity and alertness. Athletic Greens doesn't just make it easy to get healthy, it's easy to get to. That's because Athletic Greens is going to give a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. You're listening to the Locked on Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. We are going to dive now into our training camp awards. The Seahawks had their last open training camp session for fans on Sunday. Now they're going to be wrapping up the rest of their preseason with regular season mode, limited opportunity for media members as well. So we're moving on to the next phase here of the 2022 season. Rob, let's start with the most important award when we're uh, looking at the training camp here. 
who was the MVP of this year's training camp for the Seahawks? Could be offense, defense, special teams. Who, in your opinion, was the most impressive, most valuable player over the past three and a half weeks? You know, I kind of struggled with this uh, with, with this honor, Corbin. Um, you know, I, I thought that that Jordan Brooks, you can make an argument for him. Um, I, I certainly think that that Geno Smith has been the best of the quarterbacks at this point, and obviously, we all know the value of the quarterback position. So, just inherently, you could be mentioning Geno Smith. Certainly, the great Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf always deserve some type of acknowledgement. But in terms of the player that dropped my jaw a couple of different times. Uh, was Rashad Penny. There's no question about it. Uh, I thought that he was the best player on the field at, at two different camp or two different practices that I attended in person. And, and so at this point, I have to say number 20 is the MVP for me for the Seahawks. It's going to be crazy, but I'm staying in the backfield with my selection too. And there were some other names I consider. And I know some of our listeners are thinking we want Drew Locke to be the quarterback, not Geno Smith, but Geno Smith has been the most consistent quarterback of the two. Consider Tyler Lockett because he's been great as always. A few defensive players that were included in my thinking, but I'm actually going to go with DJ Dallas for this award because when you look from day one until Sunday's practice, I don't know that there has been a player that has been more consistent putting together highlight reel plays, not just as a runner, but as a pass catcher, making an impact on special teams, you add in the fact that he's been one of their best players in the two preseason games as well. And really, it's just the fact that this kid has improved in every facet of his game. And I had a chance to talk to him before Sunday's final open training camp practice, and he said the biggest difference is his eye discipline. And you can see that with the way he's running the football. He's seeing those creases develop earlier because – he has the mental side of the game pre-snap down. He knows what gap alignments the defensive line is in. He can cancel out certain gaps de depending on the run call. He knows where the linebackers are at. So he has become a true student of the game. He's a little quicker, a little faster to go with that. He's running like Chris Carson. He's emulating his mentor out there with Carson now being retired. In honor of Carson, he's playing with a chip on his shoulder, just running with power. I just think you look complete package. He has been the best player on the field from start to finish in this training camp. And with Ken Walker III maybe being out a few weeks to open the regular season, he's probably your number two running back behind Rashad Penny, which means he's going to get plenty of playing time early in the year that he has certainly earned with a really sound training camp. Now let's go to the defensive side. Defensive MVP, the defensive player of training camp. Who wins this award, Mr. Rang? Well, as I mentioned before, you know, I think that Jordan Brooks deserve acknowledgement for MVP on either side of the ball. So certainly on the defensive side, uh, I think that he takes the cake. He, he's just been, uh, you know, just a, a different level. And we've talked so much before about what a drop off in terms of uh, just talent and production it is from, um, you know, from Brooks and, and obviously Cody Barton to everybody else on Seattle's roster. And, and I would argue between Barton and, and Brooks, for that matter. Um, you know, so I, I just think that, that Jordan Brooks is just a whole different level. He is Seattle's superstar on the defensive side of the ball. Certainly a tip of the cap to the two safeties, but I just didn't see them make enough plays in training camp to justify this type of honor, but certainly recognize that all three of them are all pro players, and that's why we have such high expectations for Seattle's defense this season. I'm going to go with somebody that was a relative no-name going into training camp. The Seahawks did get to see him play in five games late last year. He started the season finale and played well against the Arizona Cardinals, but 
Josh Jones was re-signed in May. It's not like he was a priority player for them to bring back. They bided their time and then they re-signed him. But he has been their most consistent player on defense, and he's come through with some big plays. He picked Geno Smith off not once but twice in training camp practices. He's come up and he's made some big hits. He's done that in the preseason games as well. His presence has put Marquise Blair on the brink of maybe losing his roster spot. And he's been getting a lot of reps of the first team playing with Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs. So I feel like he not only has made this football team, but he has positioned himself to play a lot of snaps on defense when they are in sub packages. He can play special teams. He can play both safety spots. You can line him up near the box. He can play deep, has the ball skills and athleticism to be a free safety. And so he gives the Seahawks that much, that much more flexibility on the defensive side of the football, just with that positional versatility the skill set, the athleticism he brings to the table. I just think he has been really impressive from day one all the way till Sunday's final training camp practice. And I don't even think this is a guy that's on the bubble at this point. I think with what he's done the last three and a half weeks, he is clearly on this roster, and he's going to be battling now just to get those reps on game day on defense and special teams. Next up on our training camp awards, top rookie. Now, I, I actually had a really hard time with this because this is a rookie class that has lived up to the hype for the most part so far. You've got a number of guys that have played themselves into a position to maybe start or at least play some significant reps on Sundays. So, Rob, this was a really challenging one. Who did you ultimately pick as your top rookie? I, I would agree with you, Corey, but I think that there is multiple rookies that, that deserve some type of acknowledgement. But there's two guys in particular that I think that people are crazy if they don't mention here. I'll, I'll go with the cornerback, Tariq Woolen. Um, we, we talked about him so much. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about just how impressive that he has been. But I, you, you've mentioned a couple of times that the preseason games here with, with some of your picks. And and I would agree with you, by the way, DJ Dallas, uh, you know, and Josh Jones. I think if you took off their jerseys and just evaluated these players with, with no number on them, then they have been as impressive as the I2 selections for Shad Penny and Jordan Brooks. I 100% agree with you. Tariq Warren, I think, would be in that conversation as well as, part, as far as just being a guy who has just been unbelievable on the field. But as I mentioned, again, it's the preseason games that you mentioned uh, previously that kind of helped justify your selection. So I'll go those preseason games as well. And I was very much on Tariq Woolen and his inability to tackle cleanly in the, in the opener. So his impressive tackling ability in the second game against Chicago, when obviously there wasn't a lot of bright spots, what was definitely impressive. And then just the closing speed for those folks who saw that, that, that rare cornerback blitz where they sent Tariq Woolen in and he was running down the line. I mean, my goodness, I don't know if I've ever seen a corner close that quickly, and that's exciting stuff. So uh, certainly Tariq Woolen for me. But again, I think there's another player out there in the rookie class that certainly deserves a great deal of lavish praise here. I think there's a couple of them that I could pick here because there's been three or four draft picks that have been really good in training camp. And if this was a week ago, I might have gone with Derek Young in part because he was your final draft pick. He was the 233rd selection in the draft, but he was the more consistent, more productive receiver going against Bo Melton. It was picked four picks earlier than him, but had a really quiet preseason game against the Bears. That was not the case for Abraham Lucas, and he started slow just because he was playing with the second-string offense, but he was playing well with that second-string unit, started to get some opportunities with the first-team unit, and he has been the most impressive rookie for the Seahawks in the preseason games, and that carried a lot of weight for me. 
when you have four pancakes in the run game, and that was not known as a strength for him. That was a big question mark coming into the league, coming out of Washington State. For him to be that productive, play with that nastiness, with that edge in the run game, that is really exciting for the Seahawks. He's been excellent in pass protection, as expected as well. So I think when you're looking all-around play, he has been the most impressive rookie. And I would have Dariq Young probably second on my list and maybe give some honorable mention to Charles Cross. The penalties obviously have been a big issue, but when he hasn't been getting flagged, he's been extremely impressive as well. But to me, Abraham Lucas has been the most impressive rookie from this year's class so far. Now, switching gears to most improved, you and I actually debated this a little bit in our preparation for the show, and you had several players you were considering. Who ultimately gets this award from you? Well, it's funny because he, he had one of the ugliest moments of the aforementioned loss, Chicago Bears. Kate Johnson, you know, obviously anybody who watched that game knows that he yep. misplayed that that kick return, muffed it, and, and, and wound, or excuse me, the, the punt return muffed it and wound up having that go for a touchdown. Uh, at the same time, I've just been very impressed by his, his route running, his hands. Uh, Pete Carroll talked about Kate Johnson being a guy who was kind of, you know, making a little bit of noise for himself. With the exception of that one misplayed kick, I, I think that Kay Johnson has absolutely done that. And so he certainly is one of the players that uh, that I would acknowledge as really has improved. You stole one of the guys earlier in DJ Dallas. I thought it was just too low-hanging a fruit. But my goodness, what DJ Dallas has been able to demonstrate certainly deserves some acknowledgement here as well. Yeah, I thought about double-dipping with Dallas, but... How much fun is that? There's another player on the defensive side of the football that deserves this award just as much as anybody. Former fifth-round pick, originally picked by the Dallas Cowboys, then was with the Lions, then the Patriots. He finally has found a home in Seattle, and that is cornerback Mike Jackson, who Pete Carroll, after Sunday's practice, said has had one of the most impressive training camps of any player in the roster. I wholeheartedly agree because – you think about all the names we've thrown out, Rob. We've talked up Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen. We've talked up Sidney Jones. We talked up Artie Burns before he injured his groin. We talked up John Reed after Sunday's practice. There's been so many players at that cornerback spot that have come through with really strong training camps, and yet throughout it all, Mike Jackson has been, quietly had just as good of a camp as anybody. I mean, the thing that he does – that really lends himself well to Seattle's defense is his tackling ability. This defense, we have been critiquing them. We've been criticizing them for the poor tackling these first two preseason games. There's been an exception to the rule, and that's Mike Jackson. He has come up and laid down the law as a tackler. He's made a lot of plays in coverage throughout training camp, whether he's been with the first stringers going against DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett or with the third stringers going up against lower tier guys. It has not mattered. This guy is a gamer. He's got a better uh, better football IQ at this point. He literally told me that in an interview earlier in training camp that he just feels like he sees the game differently than he did when he first came in from Miami as a fifth-round pick four years ago. And now he's got this prime opportunity with Trey Brown still being out. It's looking more and more likely he won't be ready for the start of the regular season. I think Mike Jackson now has carved himself out a roster spot, and he still might be in the mix to start for this football team. He's gotten some first-team reps in recent weeks, and he's done well with those opportunities. Pete Carroll likes him. The coaching staff likes him. To me, he has easily been the most improved player on the defensive side of the ball. 
Yeah, you, you talked me into it. I, I certainly can't deny that. I was pretty high on Mike Jackson coming out of Miami uh, years ago, but there's no question about it. He has been an NFL journeyman, and he has played like a starter uh, for the Seahawks. We're, finally, we're gonna, we've been spending all this time talking about great players and you know, surprising stories, things like that. Corbin, I have a quick question for you. Is you've been to so many more of these practices than I have. I can tell you the most impressive play that I've seen have been some of these runs by Rashad Penny, as I mentioned earlier. That's why he's been my MVP of the Seahawks 2022 training camp. But I ask you, sir, what's been the most impressive play, most impressive feat of athleticism or arm strength or whatever the case might be that you've seen during the Seahawks 2022 training camp? I could easily, you know, go with some recency bias and mention Jacob Eason's bomb to Bo Melton where he burned Tariq Woolen in Sunday's practice. But I'm going to go with another play where Tariq Woolen had a much more favorable outcome because this, to me, is the kind of play that shows you the freak athlete that we are talking about in Tariq Woolen. It was last week. It was Drew Locke, his Tuesday practice. He's playing with the ones right before he tests positive for COVID, was clearly under the weather, but threw across his body, and Tariq Woolen, who was playing on the other side of the field, somehow got in position to jump a curl route in the middle of the field and intercepted it. Now, he obviously followed his receiver. He trailed his receiver inside a bit, but still, the amount of ground that he made up to go pick off that pass you can count on one hand how many cornerbacks in the NFL could make that play. He might be one of one just with his size and his 4-2-6 speed, and Pete Carroll was gushing about it. That was easily my favorite play just because you don't see that happen very often, if ever. I can't remember the last time I saw a corner play like that and then go in the middle of the field and pick off a pass. It just doesn't happen, and so you could see the skill set. And really, that's just been one of many great plays Tariq Woolens had in his first training camp. But that's the one, as soon as I started thinking top play, that immediately jumped to the top of my list. As we gear up for the preseason finale in Dallas coming up on Friday, there are a handful of veterans that might be on the hot seat. A few of them are players that may be going into camp. Nobody expected that they were going to be on the bubble. Rob and I are going to be breaking down four players, two on offense, two on defense, and one special teams player that are under a lot of pressure heading into this preseason finale coming up here next on Locked on Seahawks. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. As a former site manager and current podcast host, I've made plenty of hires over the years, and LinkedIn has always been a go-to for me to find top candidates in sports media. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network, of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so that your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen. 
five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. And make sure to check out the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast for your second listen. Find the intellectual fantasy expert, Vinny Iyer, who brings over 20 years of NFL expertise and a unique angle to give you the moves no one else has. Get ready for your fantasy draft with Locked On Fantasy Football. We're getting close to the preseason finale just four days away until the Seahawks will be traveling down to Texas to face the Dallas Cowboys. And then we'll be a little under two and a half weeks away from the start of the regular season. And this time of year, the term that gets thrown around a lot, who is on the bubble, which players are on the right side of the bubble, which players are on the wrong side of the bubble. And there's always a few surprises sprinkled in there. We've already had one in this cutting cycle, Rob, with Joel EA Booneyway, a free agent signing in March, getting cut at the 80-man cut down. That was way earlier than anybody anticipated that they would move on from somebody that they just gave a one-year contract early in free agency. But surprises happen this time of year. And you and I both talked about this before the show. It feels like there's a few veterans that maybe weren't expected to be on the hot seat that now are on that hot seat heading into this preseason finale, particularly on the defensive side of the football. Well, I think we have to have the you have to start the conversation with Marquise Blair. I mean, obviously, this was a former second round pick just a couple of years ago. He has flashed like a like an old school Polaroid, uh, you know, over and over again over the last couple of years. But of course, the struggle with durability and and all of the missed tackles that we saw and and basically what wound up being a horrific game against the Chicago Bears. Um, you know, we as we talked about yesterday, we don't want to pile on any one player. So I think it's important to acknowledge that besides leading the team with at least five missed tackles, he actually led the team in completed tackles as well, with, with nine total stops, including the forced fumbles we mentioned uh, during the, the opening kickoff against the Bears. But because of the great numbers at the safety position, the talent, and the, the ascension of a guy like Josh Jones, as you talked about before, Corbin, I really think that there may not be a veteran on Seattle's roster that has a hotter seat right now than Marquise Blair. And I think the close second is on the defensive side of the football, and he was drafted 15 or so picks before Marquise Blair back in 2019. And I'm going to say the same thing about LJ Collier. I'm not looking to pile it on him. And I was really hoping that this 3-4 defense was going to bring out the best in Collier. I've still got some hope that it will. He has been hurt, so it's been a little different situation. Marquise Blair has been active for both the preseason games. He's been active throughout training camp. He is coming off of another knee injury, so that's something to consider. But Collier has been dealing with an elbow issue. He returned to practice on Sunday. It's looking like he's going to be able to play on Friday, and that's good news because I don't even know that this is necessarily as much about L.J. Collier as it is about Miles Adams, who has been one of the most impressive players. He was somebody that I considered for most improved as well because all he's done out is gone out and done is get a couple of sacks in these two preseason games. He's been disruptive. He's played some with the first team defense in training camp practices. He's proven he can play in a three, four or a four, three. So it's the presence of miles Adams, a player that's much cheaper that they can have club control for a couple more years. LJ Collier's in the last year of his contract. They obviously didn't pick up his fifth year option. That presence of a player in miles Adams, who's younger much cheaper, has more club control, that is going to make it a far more interesting decision for the Seahawks because I think Clint Hurt and Pete Carroll have genuinely been very excited about where LJ Collier fits into this new scheme playing exclusively defensive tackle, and he was having a pretty good training camp before he got hurt. 
So if he can pick up where he left off, he's still got a chance to make this football team. But I think the presence of Miles Adams and all the other depth that the Seahawks have in the interior defensive line, he is far from guaranteed to make this roster. And if he's not at 100%, he's not able to have a really good preseason finale. That might put him on the outside looking in, heading towards the start of the 2022 regular season. Now, flipping gears to the offensive side, we've talked about Collier and Blair, but we haven't really looked at the offensive side of the football. And you had a couple candidates on the offensive line that stood out to you as a potential surprise cuts or trade candidates. Who ultimately is your veteran that's under the most pressure on the offensive side of the ball? Well, you, you mentioned some of the offensive linemen, and so I'll start off there real quickly with, with the idea of Gabe Jackson. I talked about this before. If you're going to make the youth movement at the tackle position that Seattle obviously is going to be making here, then, then why not carry that over at guard? And Pete Carroll has talked about that he views Phil Haynes as a as a starter, and obviously Damian Lewis coming off with the injury right now, then that's, a, that's changed things a little bit. It really reinforces the value of having depth that uh, that a guy like Gabe Jackson provides Seattle. But still, there, there are so many clubs out there who are in need of uh, value or, or veteran offensive linemen. So I still think that, that Gabe Jackson provides that. Phil Haynes provides that a little bit as well. I just for the same reasons that you were talking about before, as far as youth, as far as contract status, then I think that, that Haynes uh, just makes a little bit more sense for Seattle to keep in the long term. But because of the injuries along the offensive line, I don't know that that necessarily is going to be the case. Linebacker, on the other hand, especially the inside linebacker spot, we, we've talked about kind of bemoaned the lack of, uh, you know, of high-end talent or at least established producers at the inside linebacker position. And, and Nick Ballore is as long in the tooth as just about anybody on this team. He is an incredibly uh, versatile, tough, hard-nosed uh, competitor. At the same time, I just think that his best football is behind him. I, I see a guy that I just don't know is still at uh, playing at, at the high NFL level that Seattle needs, uh, especially considering, again, this, just the youth movement that we're seeing. So, again, if we're talking about veterans who are on the roster bubble, who I think have to be very, very concerned, Nick Bloor, I think, very much is among those guys. And Belor is still technically their fullback, even though he's been playing defense all the training camp. And so he can be included on offense. We won't count that as cheating. He is kind of that do-it-all Swiss player. But for me on offense, I'm going to go a little bit more out in left field. And I'm going to go with a player who improved a lot in his sophomore season, doubled his production across the board. And I think there were pretty high expectations for Freddie Swain going into this training camp I've been very underwhelmed by what I've seen from him on the practice field. He obviously had that really bad drop in the Thursday loss to the Chicago Bears in that first drive that should have been a first down that got the Seahawks past midfield. Geno Smith could not have thrown that pass any better than he did, and Swain let it hit him in the chest. He's dropped some passes in training camp practices. It just feels like, and you know, maybe I'm being a bit too harsh because other receivers haven't stepped up either, but He's had a very quiet training camp. Everything that comes to mind has been negative plays. And it almost looks like one of those situations where we're talking about a, a kid that came into the league with a fairly high floor for a sixth round pick coming from Florida. I just don't know what that ceiling looks like. I see a player that has regressed, not a player that's improved. Maybe the light switch comes back on here and he has a big final preseason game. He needs it, though, because some of the other veterans Seattle has, some of those young players that they're intrigued by, including their two seventh-round picks, Derek Young and Bo Melton, 
I don't think that he has a roster spot necessarily locked up. And I didn't think I'd be saying that here in late August, but based on his performance in camp and the preseason games and what other players have done in those same settings, I just don't think that it would be fair to lump him into the lock thing for the 53-man roster. I think he's far from it. Right now, I think he makes the team, but it's a much closer call than I anticipated. And if a couple other receivers step up and have big games Friday and he stays quiet or makes more mistakes, I would not be stunned if he ends up getting put on the chopping block at the end of the day because he's a former sixth-round pick. If the Seahawks have some other guys they're more intrigued by that have more club control and they feel have higher ceilings, you're in the middle of a youth movement. Even a player like Swain that isn't an old player in year three if you don't perform, you become expendable. You, you certainly do. I, I think the wide receiver position and, again, that inside linebacker position, Corbin, are, are two positions that we should be watching and, and, and talking about. Would not be surprised at all when it's all said and done uh, and Seattle lines up the field against the Denver Broncos. The 53-man roster that includes receivers and linebackers actually winds up having some players that have not been in Seattle during this time. And it wouldn't be surprised to all see Seattle pluck some players that have been released elsewhere. I want to throw one more name into the hat because we've both got an offensive player. We both get a defensive player. Special teams, you could have probably thrown about 15 guys in this list with the way they played on Thursday night. But I think you and I both reached this agreement before the show. There has got to be pressure on Jason Myers at some point. I'm still stunned the Seahawks did not bring in competition for him this offseason. Even if it wasn't meant to be a situation where they were bringing somebody in, well, you have a legitimate opportunity. If Pete Carroll is going to live up to the always compete mantra, Jason Myers barely made 70% of his field goals last year. That just isn't going to cut it. Two years earlier, he had a rough first season with the Seahawks. He obviously was perfect in 2020, but he has been fleeting in terms of consistency, even for a kicker. And he missed a field goal on Thursday night. He has missed some field goals in practice over the last couple of weeks. It just doesn't seem like he is clicking on all cylinders, getting closer to the start of the regular season. And I would think if he misses another field goal in their preseason finale or makes a mistake kicking the football, at some point, John Steyer and Pete Carroll got to be like, hey, waiver wire, are there any kickers that might be worth bringing in? Because you got to start thinking about was 2020 a fluke and last year was more on par with what we would expect from him. Yeah, I think that's the case. And then, again, it always comes down to money. And Jason Myers is making an awful lot of money in comparison to some of the other kickers around the National Football League. And so, again, I don't know that, you know, Seattle will tell you that they're competing for a Super Bowl always. But I don't know that the difference between Seattle winning the Super Bowl and having a potential top 10 pick in this year's draft class is going to be determined based on who they're kicker is so you know again the, the, those dollars that you're allocating to that position if he is not playing at a high level then you do leave yourself very vulnerable much to the same point that you made before about freddie swain and the fact that he is in year three you are expecting there to be some improvement at this point and it does feel like he's flatlined a little bit especially when some other receivers with similar versatility like a penny hart for example have had spectacular camps as always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Check out Locked on Seahawks. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming video form five days a week 
on YouTube. Coming up on our next episode on Wednesday, Rob and I are going to be revisiting some of the positional battles taking place for the Seahawks heading into the preseason finale. And we're going to take a look at what's new with the Dallas Cowboys, Seattle's upcoming Friday opponent. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.